This episode of The Clappers contains spoilers about a television show that you probably don't even watch called Game of Thrones. It contains brief reference to the mega success and the challenging and scary about mega success Coward, aren't you? of Noel Coward. Yes. No, <laughs> of the latest Marvel Avengers movie. And we also talk about jazz, Melbourne jazz, jazz, Melbourne jazz. Because you can never get enough jazz. Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. Carl. Andrew. It's a busy time. Yes. It's a busy time. Today is International Jazz Day. Did you know that? <laughs> Do you know that? <laughs> no, I did not. Today, what is it? February. <laughs> February. April. April 30. Right. Which I believe coincides, or maybe it's April 30 here and April 20. You know how it's weird when it's the same time all around the world? It's yeah, yeah. two different days. I'm just going to point out that yeah. by the time this goes to air, it'll be like May 6 or something. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. by yeah. then it'll be International what, Bebop Day or maybe... Perhaps. Uh, but for International Jazz day. day, something interesting is happening today that I mention it because it's, it's, it's an example of what's really great about Melbourne. Okay. So there's an international day for everything? No, because oh. it's international. So that's not the, the Melbourne oh, part is that Herbie Hancock and James Morrison are at the Hamer Hall, not far off from when we speak and where we speak. Yeah, right. Doing a free concert, this free simultaneous concert with it's 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 a broadcast. What are we doing here? I know it's, it's a broadcast <laughs> that everybody is exhorted to dress semi-formally, sit in their seats, watch Herbie and James on the stage, on the stage, presumably playing, while other people on other stages all around the world are playing at the same time. All sort of playing to the same yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of Yeah, you're playing the same tune. Right. Right? Wow. Yeah. And it's it's you can if you're in Fed Square, you can if you're wandering around Fed Square, it's it's being broadcast there as well. It's quite amazing. I right? hope the connection is better than whenever I try to FaceTime or WhatsApp yeah, or I've, I've had pretty good luck Google with chat FaceTime. or whatever. I mean the the reception anyway, not necessarily the outcomes, but the uh the, I think it's an amazing thing. Yeah, and totally. it's and it's free and and you can fit Quite a decent amount of people in Hamer Hall, mm. and it's just a nice way to. There's there's things going on today all over Melbourne. I'm here, and then I have somewhere else I have to be at, so I won't be celebrating International Jazz Day by seeing any jazz music. That's a shame. It's odd. So, I've been to see some jazz, Carl. Been to see there's a lot of jazz happening in Melbourne at the moment. On the weekend, I went to a jazz festival, a one day jazz festival at the Cooper's Malt House, which is, it might surprise you to learn, sponsored by that great family brewery, Thomas Cooper's and Sons. Did you know that? Cooper's, when did they take it over? I won't say they take it over. They just provide excellent beer for you to buy and I drink. know, but it, I mean, it used to be CUB Malthouse. Yeah. So when did it become Cooper's Malthouse? You know what? I missed that. I looked for I the plaque. I was clearly looking the other way. I looked for the plaque <laughs> that said on this day yeah, right. in 2012 or whenever it was, uh, Coopers a, came in a, with a pot of cash. A decent beer was able to be bought and drunk at Yay. this establishment. So it was put on by a guy who runs the uh, Paris Cat, which is a jazz venue here in Melbourne, and it was one day of great performances starting at midday, going through till 10. Mixture, like they all are, not really jazz, but jazz and roots. So it had bands like the Putbacks, the Meltdown, the Black Jesus Experience, all bands that the people who live in Melbourne and go and if out you were watching and them, enjoy. Did yeah. you interject as they were playing? And that's not jazz. No, no, I didn't. I, I, I made my, I won't say peace, but I accepted the <laughs> fact. Look, I have to say I left before the non-jazz bands came on. 
I, I not 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 because they are the non-jazz bands. Like I say, I'm 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 a big fan of the Meltdown, and I enjoy the Black Jesus Experience. But I just I had other places to be. But I, but what was great was it had um, students from various programs, Monash and VCA, playing in their ensembles, and it was it's it's great to to hear young people just starting their careers and their lives in improvised music playing. There was some great flugalism. So I, I am uh, I just melt at the sound of a, of a flugelhorn, and there was some great playing. And of course, one of my favourite uh, ensembles played mid afternoon, and that was very exciting. Jamie Ola's, Sam Keevers, Christopher Hale, and Danny Fisher playing three or four John Coltrane tunes, and it was just masterful. So that was great. That was great. That was that was just the first one. It'll be on. I hope every year. And coming up soon, coming up on May the 10th for nine days, is Donington Jazz, which precedes the Melbourne International Jazz Festival. So it's just jazz, 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 jazz. All that jazz. All that jazz. And then some more. couple of things to watch out for, Stonington Jazz, okay? The opening night is going to be a big night of Australian female jazz singers. Now, the word jazz is very loosely interpreted here, so you'll hear a lot of styles of music that fall within the ambit of jazz. It won't just be standards that you may recognise. Another thing is, uh, I'll I'll have to do this because I want to get the dates right. So that's the opening night. That'll be on the 10th. That will be at the Morven Town Hall. Now, of course, there's a website, stoningtonjazz.com.au, but the, the two things that I'm kind of keeping my eyes open for are both on the 11th, 7 p.m., Flora Carbo has a group and she'll be performing at, I think, Chapel Off Chapel. That's right. Chapel Off Chapel, early 7 p.m. And then a little after that at 8.30, Lance Ferguson, Menagerie, Arrow of Time. Lance Ferguson, you may know from the Bamboos mm-hmm. and founding member of Cooking on Three Burners, has this did a recording called Menagerie, which is this post-bop progressive style of free jazz and performed it maybe the year before last at Stonington. Very exciting, up at Revolver. The next album has recently been released and he's performing that. So that's another thing that I'm looking at. This won't be at Revolver. This will be at Chapel Off Chapel as well. So if you want to park yourself at Chapel Off Chapel on the 11th of May, check out both of those things. I think it'll be a really good Saturday night. Sounds good. But, yeah, there's so much happening in jazz. Go to stoningtonjazz.com.au and stay tuned to the Clappers because I'll talk about Melbourne International Jazz Festival as we get closer to the date. These are things that you can do in Melbourne. I'm sure that whatever fly-blown, dusty burg you live in, (laughs) there is something to do of an evening that involves seeing live music. I'm sure it's not just Melbourne that is the world capital of seeing live music. Well, actually it is, but uh, make sure you come to Melbourne. If you're listening from overseas, and I know some of you do, come to Melbourne and see some live music, okay? That's the first thing you've got to do. Don't go shopping, okay? Don't go look at the penguins, all right? Don't go to Hanging Rock, okay? Don't go to that stupid mansion in Dandenong. Don't go there. Do go to Hanging Rock. It's awesome there. No, it's not. Oh, it is. I've been there. Have you been there on a misty day? I've been there three or four times. I don't recall the meteorological conditions. I think it was sunny. Actually, I think it was sunny. I think the meteorological conditions are actually quite... Quite instrumental to okay. how you experience the rock. The anyway, rock. Anyway. Don't go to restaurants. Do go to Hanging Rock. <laughs> do go to restaurants. <laughs> don't go to restaurants. Make sandwiches. 
Like do a, go. Be like a Geelong supporter and bring your own lunch. I'd say do go to Burnham Beaches, but you can't go to Burnham Beaches. Yeah, good. Really. So when you said that that mm. stupid mansion mm. out in that's the what I meant. That's what yeah. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's isn't what I'm talking it? about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you didn't go and see the Rowan exhibition out there. No, I take no, no. It. no, no. On it, principle, look, it looked like on principle. It, well, yeah, definitely on principle. <laughs> uh, but also, I don't. I think I'm. I have. It, it might not come across when we do this podcast that I actually. That you're a man of culture. I'm possessed of very delicate health. Oh. <laughs> I'm very delicate, <laughs> fragile, in fact, and that kind of environment, Excellent. that kind of environment, would make me sick, and and I, I couldn't go. Full of other people, you mean? No, just I'm already feeling it in my chest now. It's just which we, uh, what's what's wrong with you, man? Well, well I, let's we don't have to get into that here. <laughs> Have to get into that. How thing. long have we got? Well, all, that, all that needs to be known is if it does, if it indeed needs to be known at all, is that I'm a fragile, delicate fellow who oh, is not as robust as he sounds. So I can't go to a place like that. Poor love. I, I, I feel for you. I, I did go. Yes, however, of course you did. Uh, the final morning. Um, yeah. It was a lot, the first chance we're getting because it was mm. a ticketed event, which is you know unusual for a gallery experience. Uh, it, what it, for for those who are unaware of this. Mm-hmm. Burnham Beaches is a mansion, an Art Deco mansion, built between 1929 and 1933 in Sherbrooke in the Dandenongs. Uh, it's surrounded by beautiful, not native forests, but but planted uh, gardens full of beech trees, uh, mostly European deciduous trees, as well as some natives. Yep. Uh, and next door to it is uh, a piggery. And the piggery has been converted into a bakery and cafe restaurant thing. It's operated by Shannon Bennett's View Group and... Very, you know, it's a very decent place. The View Group also owns, it bought, I, I think probably getting on for a decade ago, it bought the mansion with the aim of restoring it and turning it into, a, uh, I think, you know, upmarket accommodation. That's mm-hmm. ultimately the plan. It's been a very, very long time coming. Um, and I've been there a few times and walked around the gardens, but you couldn't get into the mansion. Mm-hmm. And so going there... Uh, for the final day of the Rhone exhibition was that was or installation, I guess you call it, was the first time I'd ever actually seen the front of the building. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've been able to go into the building. Yeah, it is. It's stunning, but the it's, building itself. The, the, yeah, sure, the building I'm, itself. I'm a but lover of architecture, but it's in need of a lot of work. Yeah. This is this is not going to be a quick fix. It's not no. a. Uh, it's not a slap on a bit of paint and she'll be right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's they're going to have to do a pretty major thing, and it's heritage protected. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was built for I think Alfred Nicholas uh, was the um, Asprinza. Is Aspro? Aspro? I think it's Aspro. Okay. Um, th- there was a, there was a weird thing there That's that he, he right. had the That's Australian right. yes. or the British Empire rights, I believe, to yeah. distribute. This uh, this drug that was developed in fact by the Germans. Wonder tablet by mm. Ig Farber. Farber is it? Yeah, I I'm, not, I'm not quite yes. sure of the origins, but it, he, it, there was a kind of there was a bifurcation there. People do come to me for my knowledge of chemistry, <laughs> of chemistry. and of patents <laughs> and drug dealing and of chemical patents. Yes, <laughs> they, they they do ask me many questions. Yes, anyway, I furnish them with excellent. So, so basically, it's a drug dealer's lair. Is yes. what I'm saying. Yeah, it looked like it from yeah. those photos yeah. that every single person on Facebook put up in the in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It operated as a as a hotel. Yep. Um, Sometime in the 90s, I think sort of mid-90s-ish, it stopped operating as a hotel and it's basically fallen into... Sherbrooke ceased to be the go-to destination for people visiting that part of Victoria. It's it's not quite uh, decrepitude, but it's getting there. It's it's definitely in a state of uh, at least minor to somewhat advanced disrepair. Um, And Roan, who is basically a 
I guess you'd call him a, a street artist, a stencil artist, mm-hmm. uh, has taken out, well, took over a series of rooms in this mansion and did these basically wall-sized murals, all of them featuring the face of the actress Lily Sullivan, who mm-hmm. people might know from uh, the TV version of Picnic at Hanging Rock. She played Miranda in that. Uh, she's been in a, a number of other things. Um, How does she feel about I I haven't spoken to her about it, but I you imagine had, she feels pretty good. You have had lunch good. with her and said, "Lily, I, what do you think about this?" Well, Andrew, it may come as a surprise. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yes. have had lunch with Lily, but <laughs> not not <laughs> not subsequent to this. Where's so, that bell? You where's that, that bell? Yeah, you need a bell. bell anyway, she um, you know, she's a beautiful girl, very talented, yep. and but her face is plastered over massive walls. Mm-hmm. It's. You know, it sort of plays with the idea of, of sort of decay and and beauty and mm-hmm. a whole range of yeah. things. Nature sort of making incursions into the built environment, yes. sort of reclaiming it. Uh, my favourite thing yeah. was this, like, corridor with all these rooms that were not really taken over by Roan, but but were not entirely neglected. And they had sheets of masonite over them with holes punched through. Yes. Lights inside the room. So, so you got this kind of shafts of light yes. coming out into the corridor. And if you could peek through these holes... Like a holes, film clip from the 1980s. It was very much like that. Band. Peeking through the holes, you just see these sort of piles of leaves sort of brushed see, up into no, it. You're, you're stop, having conniptions here, aren't you? Can we talking about this now <laughs> and, and move on to whatever um, Marvel film we're talking about Anyway, the, the, the morning I went, yeah. it was freezing out there. It was about nine degrees. Of course it was. It was nine degrees. It was like the first sort of real taste yeah, of, oh, yeah. it's Melbourne in winter. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and the Dandenongs in autumn yeah. and winter. I mean, I think... There's lots of parts of Victoria that are beautiful, but the Dandenongs are stunning at, mm-hmm. at that, this time of year. And it was just gorgeous. I loved every second of it. And I went with uh, a big family group. There were kids there from seven years old up to uh, my mother-in-law at 80. Mm-hmm. Everybody just... Did you get a hire a bus? Was, One quite, of those buses? We out, went out on a convoy. Okay. It was, And it was just... It was loved by everybody. Great. They had 25,000 people through there, a ticketed yeah, art yeah. event, or 27,000, I think it was, who, who, over six weeks. Pretty who amazing. Who managed that event? Who put I'm it not on? Sure. I think it was privately organised. So not the people who own the building? Oh, well, they, they're obviously involved in it, yeah. They, but maybe someone said, hey, can we use your building that's not really doing anything to do this thing? I think that's yeah, exactly what it charge is. Charge you some rent. So sure. these rooms that look like they're sort of uh, they're falling down were actually – I guess you'd say, uh, contrived by, yes. by Roan and his team. I spent, I think, the best part of a year working okay. on this. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, really? And, uh, yeah. So they, they sort of create this patina of age in there mm. over the actual age. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then they I have to- I don't want to know what I'm thinking. And then, <laughs> and then they have to remove everything so that the the yeah. the rebuild can commence, which would have been, well, it's probably, the removing is probably still going on, I would imagine. Yep. So, ne- so it's a very ephemeral work. Next for Roan is, is Mount Buffalo, no, I, probably. I presume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's moving into the Christo thing. He's going to wrap Mount Hotham, you know. Yeah, you know, well, so. no, the Mount Buffalo Chalet, you know, closed down has just been sitting there with a fence around it for a really long time Indeed. and people have been concerned because it is, I believe, also a listed building yeah, yeah. and it's in disrepair and it's not getting any better. And there is, you know, it's a, it's a, one of those nice old. Let's drop him a line. Yeah, suggest it. You can do that. I think. What else are you talking about, Carl? Well, a little TV show, mate. Oh yes. Yeah, come on, you know. No, no, no I like television. All right, Game of Thrones. 
Oh, really? Yeah. You know what I thought you were going to talk about? What? I actually thought you were going to talk about something that, I, I, again, I, I've not watched also, but I thought you were going to talk about that Lego program. I haven't seen it yet. Nor have I. It was, it was I'm showing as, as I left my house, yeah. I stood there and I thought, this is hilarious. It looks like the set of MasterChef. Right. And there's all these different blocks. Ver- no, 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 no Lego in evidence. Oh, Just really? differently aged couples like I don't I mean they may be couples but but pairs of contestants right, right. that will vie for the $100,000 prize of Lego grand How much Lego could you buy with that well probably about four kits the little <laughs> snip i saw is a blonded hamish blake yeah. introducing the only professional lego master in the southern hemisphere wow there's 14 in the world yeah. and and one is from the southern hemisphere his name is well his name is probably not this, but this is his handle, Brickman. Brickman. And he looks the most unprepossessing middle-aged dad. You would never think this is his job if you would never look at that guy and say, Lego artiste. Uh, I have a relative. My brother-in-law was Australian Lego champion. Really? Yes, as a 12-year-old and went to Billund in Denmark with his mum and dad to compete wow. in the World Lego Championships. He was a very good Lego player and I presume still maintains those skills. Apparently, you uh, you love Lego as a kid and then you, uh, what's that phrase, shrug off childish things and then you have children yourself and then you come back to it and the Lego people call that the dark times or the dark like, speaking of Game of Thrones, <laughs> the dark winter the dark of the ages. soul, the dark ages <laughs> between, say, 16 and 30 or whatever when the you have kids. The years without culture. The years without culture. I remember hearing someone say that the first thing that they do when they people – because they, they kind of have an open, let us know if you want to come in and do like an audition to mm. become one of our people that we use to craft and design and make new Lego. You have to make a sphere. You have to build a really? sphere from rectangular bricks. That's the test. That sounds a sphere quite challenging. From ve- well, I, <laughs> I don't, don't think I could do it. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I can. Uh, you've been and seen Lego exhibitions before at Grace Brothers and things like yeah. that as a kid. Not at Grace Brothers, but yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm all, I, I, then as a child, and I'm sure now as a child, I'm always amazed by what can be made, what shapes can be totally. created yeah, yeah. out of rectangular six nodule bricks. Yeah. It's fascinating. So this show actually, for something that's on Channel 9, Looks like it could be a really fun and interesting and and un Channel Nine like show, you know. Um, so anyway, that's what I thought you were going to talk about. It's not, <laughs> but it's, it's not. not. But can I congratulate yes. you on your blocking move there? That was yeah. very, uh, <laughs> very good. Yes, I saw you looking at the time. Up and. It, that's us. That's, us. Uh, that's the clappers for this week. Thank you for listening. You can listen to us back wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go to the Facebook page where you can look at interesting photographs of meals Carl's enjoyed and holiday snaps. <laughs> get it out. Get it out of your system. Be so, like the constipated accountant who worked it out with a pencil. So Game of Thrones... I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. We've just come off the the episode that Mm -hmm. the past seven seasons, this is episode three of the eighth season, everything was building up to this moment. 
this mm. episode was the thing that it was all about. It was enormous, okay? It was an 82-minute yeah. episode. It was okay. it, practically a movie. Yes. And the thing I'd say about it was, is is that it uh, it was almost unwatchable at times. Mm-hmm. I've heard was, this. Yeah, it was Believe really, me, I am connected really on social media to people who love Game of Thrones, and there was a big outcry, and I thought, well, maybe your bit rate, whatever you call no. your sample or... No, no, it, it, it was... Across the board, okay. Yeah. Everybody who's watching this was, uh, and I, I was, I was recapping it, so I'm watching it, oh, okay. writing You're about watching it, it, yeah, uh, as, on as your it's screen on, at work. yeah, pausing and uh, rewinding and watching oh, okay. it, and you going, do that. I can't actually work out what's going on at yeah. times. It, it's that's really, a, I really think that's baffling. a mistake. That's a mistake because well, so people are, watch things to be able to watch them. They okay? watch things to be able to mm. understand the story at some at some level to follow what's going Can I, on. I don't want to. I don't want to distract you. I don't want to block of you. Of course you I do. I don't. No, no. But you just it, reading what people said mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and hearing what you're saying about it. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Noel Coward's response to the the kitchen sink dramas yeah, of, yeah. of John Osborne and so forth. And, and he said that people go to the theatre to be entertained, to see lively stories, to see, maybe have a nice sing or, or see some really rollicking drama that's gripping and tense and gets – and he said they do not go to the theatre to see, to see people walking around and bumping into each other in the dark. They can do that at home. Thank you very much. Home. Yeah. And, of course, he was always quick with a pithy phrase, but, but I, I, I kind of thought of him saying, do people really want to see people mumbling and bumping into each other in the dark? No. You can see. You can stay home to watch dragons flying into each other, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Look, it, it's, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't think it's in the same category. As, you as just like said you, said you couldn't kitchen, see anything. You kitchen couldn't, sink No, no, dramas, but his criticism big, of no, not no, being able point, to see okay. or understand. And you said you couldn't understand what if was going on and you couldn't see it. let me get a word it. in, mate. Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> true. Good point. The, the There are those who've, who've been saying, no, no, that's what war's like, right? You, you don't know what's going on. It's chaotic. You, I was at the Battle of Cressy. I was so... <laughs> It's at the Battle of Winterfell. That's exactly what it was like. It's a documentary. When blind John of Bohemia got struck from his horse, I was That's there. what a snowstorm is like. That's what a battle at night is like. It's meant to be confusing. and So that's one line of argument that, that those who are defending it have been making. Yep. To which I would say... You can you can certainly do that. I mean, you can look at a film like Zero Dark Thirty, which uses night vision and, and mm. a night raid, and is indeed confusing. The I think I saw that Catherine Bigelow film about the the attack on Osama bin Laden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. Um, you can look at say the finale, the final episode of season one of Fargo, which is basically a shootout in a snowstorm, which is a total whiteout. You oh, yeah, can't yeah, yeah. see a damn thing. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is utterly disorienting, and it brilliantly captures what that must be like. Yep. And the tragic repercussions of mm-hmm. that, you know, there are ways of capturing confusion yep. and and the sort of bewilderment of war. There are there are plenty of. I mean, like the first twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan. I think yeah. you know, and one uh, of the most recent episodes of, of of Vikings that I've seen, where there's a, a big battle scene where there's where it goes back and forth between characters who have just been slaughtered and not realizing that they're slaughtered because they're in this strange afterlife yep. and they're looking and they're. they're they're in the same place, but they're not, and and you get this constant back and forth sense of not knowing. Is this as a, as a viewer, you you've got your favourite characters, you, you you either want to live or you don't care, and you're never quite sure who lives and who dies, as well as just the confusion of the melee and the slaughter, and that's really well done. Yeah, look, you could actually go no further for mm-hmm. your reference point, yes, than 
episode nine of season six of this very show, Game okay. of Thrones, yep. The Battle of the Bastards, directed by the same man, Miguel okay. Sapochnik. The, the point being mm. that there are plenty of ways and plenty of examples yes. of how you can capture a sense of the confusion of war, yes. of battle, of, of terrible conditions, mm-hmm. all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion yep. that part of what was going on in, in this episode is the, the sense that it's crucial, the, the, the sort of weight of expectation over the years, everything was building up to this, it has to be massive. Right, mm. and people. I've heard people say, "Oh, this will probably look fantastic on a big screen." You know, it's like it's like a Marvel movie, blah blah blah. It's like actually, you know what? It's not. Although they mm. spend a lot of money on Game of Thrones, it's still a TV series. Now, mm. the the Avengers movie Endgame is probably, I'm going to guess the budget. We'll never know for sure, but I'm going okay. to guess the budget was somewhere north of three hundred million dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. probably between three and four hundred million dollars, and that's not including marketing and distribution. No, all the rest the of it. Making, that's the, the making. That's the making of it. Yeah. Um, what you've got in Game of Thrones, I mean, the last sort of accurate reporting we had on it was, it, you know, $100 million for 10 episodes, right? So that's $10 that's million dollars an episode. Much that's less. Yeah, it's a lot of money for TV, yeah. right? And they corral the uh, like a lot of the money into the big episodes. They scrimp a little on those that are more talky and yeah. sort of more static. But those that are effects-driven, like the battle episodes, they tend to shoehorn, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're like, we scrimped $6 million bucks from that one, and mm-hmm. you know. So... Let's say it's a $30 million budget for this. Mm-hmm. Maybe Let's even say it's a $50 million budget. That's a $50 million movie, effectively, mm-hmm. a special effects battle movie with thousands of extras with, yeah. with lots and lots of CGI sequences. That is not going to look like a Marvel Avengers movie thrown up on the big screen because it's that's still a, a low to mid-budget mm. movie. Yeah. special effects movie. So I kind of think that what they've done is they've actually used the night and the, and the snow as a cover okay. for what they haven't been able to achieve or yeah. uh, or a sort of a slightly lower level of of realization in, in the CGI. Yeah. I mean because I, you feel the weight this, of expectation was so high that every single right. person in the show is going to be there just like your Marvel film as they were and they're all going to be battling away and Yeah, and it's going to be massive set pieces and the dragons are going to be critical and the night king and the army of the dead and yada 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 all of which it delivered. Sorry, I'll wake you up when when I'm over. All of which it delivered and I, I would have to say that, by and large, I think the special effects work in Game of Thrones has been spectacular. And uh, just, go back, just back to this episode, um, do you feel that the presume presumably there was a sense of dramatic tension, and it's a long episode? Was yeah. that was that maintained right through? Yeah, definitely, the, definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, I don't think that, I don't think there was any failing really on that front. Right? That's no. that's a plus. It's in its favour. There are lots of pluses a, for, my, for, of all my, its, for all its. Uh, for all its failings, which were not insignificant, I yeah. still think it delivered a lot of what uh, those of us who've been watching it all along will have wanted. I think that the, those who have come to Game of Thrones through the, the world of the books are probably a little bit frustrated that some of the things that George R. R. Martin had sort of set up and some of the sort of characteristics and plot lines that he sewed way back in 1995 or whenever the first book came mm. out, some of those have maybe not been fulfilled in the way they would have hoped. So the the uber geeks, I think, are 
probably they've they've got more quibbles than those of us who've but basically come to it through the TV realization. This isn't a book. This is post. This but is. It has, this is. Yeah, yeah. We've know, moved beyond. Is, we've moved beyond the books. There's now. no more books. This is its own. There, there will thing. be more books. I know, but at but the moment, at the yes, moment, we're into. So we're now into. Now George R. R. Martin is in a position where does he do this? Does he follow this plot from the TV indeed, show? Indeed. I, I presume. Or will he go his own way? I presume that in this battle, some people were killed. Well, that this are is this is where this is part of what I'm getting at is that I think that the uh, I'm, I'm sort of drawing a line there between the Uber geeks who are the from the Martin world, yeah. and those of us who are the sort of second tier geeks who've come at it through the world of the the TV yep. series. I, I think for those of us, I think there's a, there's a slight disappointment in the way it handled the the deaths of yep. characters in that. It mostly dispatched with secondary characters. secondary characters. Yep. It didn't didn't like do the big damage. It didn't mm-hmm. really go. We're going to bite the bullet. It we're going to get that, rid didn't of it. Yeah, it, didn't it, it didn't absolutely. In like promo all the, and all the hype. There's a lot of yeah. suggestion that, yeah. that characters that you love that you've been like on every. I feel that maybe once a year I could be exaggerating. A show like Neighbors or Home and Away will do a big promo and they'll show faces of four or five well known. Yeah, yeah. Who will die? Yeah, there's yeah. a car crash yeah, or there's yeah, an yeah. explosion in the pub, and you just don't know who it'll be. And yeah. you know, um, I, I feel that they that they would that, that this show was doing that, and it would appear from what you say that it, nobody significant. No, not not okay, nobody. Okay, no, okay, no, there right. were a couple of characters who I, I would say are significant. Okay, and, and they they died. And for anybody who has not seen it and is afraid of Spoilers. I'm going to go there right now. So yes. just, you know, Carl's going to tell you who died. Lock your ears in for the, about, a, about the, a minute. Theon, like a foster son in, okay. the, in the Stark family, which is our sort of like key family, mm-hmm. who's gone through this sort of uh, quite up and down arc. He was mm-hmm. sort of a slightly snotty member of the household who looked down on Jon Snow, who has become one of the main characters. And he uh, he sort of betrayed the Starks. He was castrated. He's he's had uh-huh. all sorts of things happen. A lot of terrible him. things happen to him yeah. and then he dies. <laughs> well, he gets a redemption arc. Okay. Okay, right? good. So it was incredibly satisfying. Yep. Right. He he comes good okay. and then he dies. Okay. It's like, yeah. All right, so he dies. Way to go. Someone else Jorah Mo- Sir Jorah Mormont, who has been sort of utterly Jorah Mormont, <laughs> Jorah Mormont. Sir Jorah Mormont, Jorah who has been Mormont. utterly yep. dedicated to uh, Danny Daenerys Targaryen, the queen, the mother of dragons, and he he basically dies protecting her, and okay. it's kind of he's in a, it's a battle. He's in a battle. It's a, it's a logical. Yeah, he's a soldier. End. He's in a battle. Yeah. He gets killed. Yeah, great, and great. Probably the best. Good. The best of them was Lyanna Mormont, who's this tiny. Tiny little kid yeah. who has become by accident that the head of her house, yeah. and she lunges at an, an undead giant mm. who, who picks her up, crushes her, looks like he's about to eat her, and with her dying breath, she stabs him in the eye with a dragon glass dagger, and that that's enough to to kill him. Shatters him because they are susceptible okay, to so dragon glass. We're, get, we're getting deep into yeah. the codex here, and I apologise for that. Apologise to me. Yeah, I will. I you don't, the you people know. listening, if they're still listening, which but, presumably <laughs> they give it down. They're yeah. still listening. It means that they actually are interested in this, so you don't have to apologise. But what they didn't do, yeah, was really tackle some of those characters that people have this kind of. 
passionate connection to. And they're all in a battle. Am I right? Everybody's oh, in this you, battle. You no one's offed, safe. You could have offed no, so many people. Yeah, no one is safe. No one is safe. So no one, it's no plausible yeah. in a battle where no one is safe that anybody could be killed. That's okay? right. That's right. And it could suit dramatic purposes for this one and not this one or these two or whatever. But nobody who has had any real impact on this story has been killed. I would Except say, you'd I would say, say maybe Jorah and, Jorah and Theon, Theon are kind of okay. in that. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, which which is a shame because if you look at the Battle of Agincourt, you look at the Battle of Cressy, you look at the various battles in the First, Second and Third Crusades, kings, princes, dukes, nobles were all killed. Little kids were killed, yep. uh, priests were killed, nuns were killed, people were killed left, right and centre. When you have a show like this which sets itself up and only un- faceless, unknown people get killed, it's it's hard to maintain yeah, that kind the of caveat, emotional The caveat c- I would offer connection here to is that. that we've got three more episodes, okay? So this okay. is kind of okay. like... There's more battles. You think there's more battles to come? There's definitely there's one. Really? There's at least one more battle to come. Yes. Why do you think that? Because Cersei Lannister's army down in King's Landing remains waiting for the moment when either the dead win, Mm -hmm. and well, that she's she's king of whatever's queen of whatever's left, Mm -hmm. which I've got to say. Sounds like a kind of you know poison chalice, really. Yeah. Or she's pretty the poisonous. Dead don't win. She is very poisonous. The dead don't win. Yeah. In which case, the armies uh, of the the you know the the allies, as we yeah. call them, are basically weakened. And that's How certainly do you think the this case. Is going to end this show. If this show, just say this show, the last shot of this show is an exhausted person, not looking particularly happy or proud of themselves, sitting on the the, the Iron Throne, the Iron. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the smacking plastic chair. my, my yeah, plastic yeah. hips yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, this last shot of the show is some exhausted bastard, or, or male or female, sitting there on the Iron Throne. Which one would it be? Who do you I think, think it's it be? going to be Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, okay. I do. Yeah, okay. With Sansa as his queen. You know, she talks like that in real life. Yeah, I know. I know. You have every right to be fearful of my sister. No one fears her more than I do, but I promise you'll be safe. Cersei told you her army was coming north to fight for you. She did. And you believed her. But my great great disappointment, my great disappointment was was in hearing Rose Leslie, who uh, is actually... Well, Rose Leslie played Igrit, right? She was a wildling, and she was okay. she basically lived north of the wall, yep. dressed in furs, yep. and continually said, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." Okay, right? Yeah, and, and looked very hot in those furs. I've got to say, okay, right. hotter than any woman had any right to look <laughs> in, in so furs. much snow. Okay, yes, <laughs> and. Anyway, she she's posh as she's okay. posh as, and right. she's actually that, you were disappointed by that. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. I oh. kind of like that. You don't like uh, I like, you don't that, like, posh I like that rough, rough yeah. northern lass. You, 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 I like you don't like a posh bird. Anyway, okay, like me a pharaoh. <laughs> super, oh super. Anyway, so uh, there's going to be another battle. There's going to be another. Will you battle? be able to watch this battle? Will there be people mumbling and stumbling about in the dark, bumping into each other? I don't think it'll be another nighttime battle. Daytime I don't battle. I probably mid afternoon. Where will it be? Afternoon tea. Where will it'll it be? be? <laughs> It'll be it'll be a fight to death over the crumpets for afternoon tea. Where will it be this battle? Uh, it'll be somewhere between Win- Winterfell and King's Landing. I'd I'd be guessing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you've, you're, so you're, you're expert the on the joy. You're. It'll uh, be in the Midlands, <laughs> Birmingham. <laughs> um, 
Roy coming out. Uh, so, what so you, you, you are the the expert on the geography mm. of this 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 what's it called this place again? Uh, Westeros. Westeros. Yeah, you're an expert on the geography of Not this really. place. Not really. Uh, so so yeah, it'll be between the north. Aye. And the south, aye, somewhere yeah, between aye. the north. That's right, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere between t- north and t- south. Oh, that'll be good. Um, uh, there's only three to go, and then that's yeah, it. That's yeah, that's good. That'll be yeah. done. Somebody, somebody said today. Don't say anything. I didn't see it yet. And I say, oh, everybody's dead. It's all over. They've decided not to do the last three episodes. They've yeah, just paid everybody out early. It's good. No, they, they've already made everything, so it's <laughs> done. We're absolutely at this moment in. You know, we're in the clutch of sort of mega sort of uh, pop cultural events. This and... You uh, are. Uh, well, yeah, and I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And I'm not saying that this is a great thing. I'm just mm. saying no, that no, the scale no, of things yep. is really quite bewildering. And uh. ultimately, uh, ultimately, I'm not sort of... I'm not wildly happy about it. And where I'm going with this mm. is... The Avengers movie opened last week. It has taken globally in its first weekend one point seven billion dollars. Right, that is a phenomenal, astonishing figure, and it's a corrupting figure because it's it's just confirmation that the model is working for the big studios, mm. and it just means that that's the only kind of movie they're going to be interested in making. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's risk it's risk averse filmmaking. It's about yeah. and I, and I say this as somebody who actually really enjoyed that movie. I think yeah. it delivered most of what you'd hope for from from a film that purportedly brings a People cycle to an end. the same thing about the music industry post disco. Yeah. They said that the big major labels are only interested in this massive a thriller. They're only interested in signing an artist right. that's going to give you a thriller or a purple rain and Anything else is just not going to get a look in. It's going to be the end of music. Yeah, and it and you're out saying that not, was not true. That it didn't turn out to be the end of music, and record companies uh, don't have the significance that they used to have, and people are still yeah. But that was tech- playing. That was technology yeah, driving yeah. Oh, yeah. that change, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the record labels are on the on the rebound. Yeah. Um, Universal is now worth something like two to three times what it was a couple of years ago. Their, their revenues from streaming are way up. They're not record labels anymore. They well, become entertainment groups. Which but is a the music part thing. of their businesses is yeah. on the up, right? So it, there, is a, there is a swing back for the mm-hmm. big labels. But that's, that's an aside. I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah. about technology forcing a mm-hmm. shift. This is about, uh, it's about a, a, a business gearing up to make a certain kind of product. Yep. And it's not so much about the technology, although that's definitely a factor in yeah. it, it's about the channels of distribution and mm-hmm. of marketing, and about the window in which uh, in which a, uh, a film has the opportunity to reach an audience is given the opportunity to reach an audience. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say that it's all about the first weekend grosses when you're talking yeah. about blockbusters that get released on thousands of screens simultaneously and have millions and millions of dollars spent marketing them. But it's terrible for those films that don't have that, those films mm. that get released on 20 screens around mm-hmm. Australia, say, yeah, and yeah. there's a hundred or $200,000 spent marketing them yeah. or less. And, they're competing and people don't know they're there and that. then they're yeah. gone. And, and they're gone, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so while, yeah. while we're in this moment, I just yeah. think it's kind of, it's like it's all well and good to talk about how big they are and how spectacular they are and, and, and I know you're not in any way persuaded by that. <laughs> I say that as somebody who yeah. can who can find pleasure in those yeah. elements mm-hmm. of them, but I also fear that they're strangling diversity and and oh, know, of the course. breadth of, of what 
what filmmaking storytelling can this be. This is a bigger topic than what we have time for. I'm sorry that you brought it up. Oh, I'm could, sorry I brought it up too. We could talk about this for a lot longer than we are going to. Thank you for listening to The Clappers. You can hear from us again. You can listen to this again or anytime you like and any of our Clappers episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us over on the Facebook page. That's true.